Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Meg Abernethy-Hope, who is co-founder of the unbelievably amazing initiative, The Billy Chip. This is such a powerful episode. I, I cannot tell you how inspirational this is. And I took so much away from it. I'm sure you're going to too. There's no doubt in my mind you're going to love it. Meg was a joy to have on. If this is the first time you're here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I really think you're going to. I know you're going to. Let me know your favorite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. I'm also going to put in a bonus ask. If you do like this podcast and you do take some bits away from it, if you enjoy it, if you feel inspired, if you feel emotional, probably will feel emotional if I'm honest, any uh, reviews, star ratings you want to leave would be hugely appreciated. Um, I'm sure you know how to do that on your platform. Go for it. It would also mean the world to me and Meg too, I'm sure, if you share this episode far and wide. There's probably at least one person you'll think of when listening who would benefit from also hearing it. And do you know what? As much as I would love my podcast to go far and wide, in this instance, I would love it more so because I want Billy Chip and the story and the name and the initiative to get out there. And obviously, the more people who know about it, the better. And if you know Paloma Faith, make sure to forward it to her. Anyway, enough of me going on. Let's hear from Meg. Now, on to the podcast. Meg, thank you so much for joining me on Thank You Interview. I, we spoke briefly off air about um, Billy Chip and how I came to hear of it via social media, seeing someone post about it, which sent me down the rabbit hole of YouTube and sort of exploring the website and what have you. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that is someone I want to get on the podcast because this podcast is all about interesting people with interesting stories and doing interesting things. So I want to thank you for joining me this morning. Not at all. Thank you for having me. It was great when you'd reached out. Obviously, the post you saw was not something we were expecting to kind of go viral. I think we've realised that it's had something like 65,000 shares which through algorithms and stuff means like 9 million people have seen it and the most of it is factually incorrect (laughs) which is even funnier it was about Um, about Greg's wasn't it that's right it was and yeah a lot of that isn't how we work (laughs) isn't what the business is about and with nothing to do with us so great that you know the public have taken the initiative to share the story but the story they've shared isn't really well I think so actually that's how I found out about it because I, <laughs> I think it was Dan Barker who was actually yeah. so I'm connect, I think it was on LinkedIn wasn't it but Dan Barker who I'm connected with I don't know but I am connected with him I think he corrected or fact-checked the person yeah. who put the original post out there I mean when you saw that post how did you feel I mean was it I guess no press is bad press kind of attitude or yeah and that's certainly kind of been the way that we've dealt with stuff but it's also that frustration of you know we've been around for four years we're trying to post every day and get the word out there about the billy chip and yet this complete stranger has posted it on facebook and managed to get more traction than we have (laughs) and it was it was a bit of jealousy it was like how can all the hard work that we put into the business and into kind of trying to educate people about homelessness and everything that we do and yet this stranger has has managed to kind of do it in five minutes (laughs) well you say that but he wouldn't have done that without the previous hard work you put in right 
absolutely yes i suppose so that's a good way of looking at it <laughs> it's like when people say about getting lucky and you know the harder you work the luckier you get and it's the same analogy i guess right because if you hadn't put in all that background stuff and you wouldn't have got him although incorrectly i will sh- i will i'll link to it in the show notes <laughs> if anyone wants to have a look but so yeah the background's there right which i guess yeah. led to him knowing about it in the first place yeah, and I think lucky is a state of mind. It's about the positive energy that you put out there and how you view the universe and gratitude and all sorts of things, I think, link up to being a lucky person. Indeed. Indeed. Actually, weirdly, this is the first podcast I've done that we've not gone straight into the first question, so you can have that honour. And with that, <laughs> I will go straight into the first question. I'm sure we'll talk about Billy Chip a huge amount throughout this, but... You meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? It's such a tough question because I say I'm the co-founder of Billy Chip and I help run a charity. And a huge thing that comes with that is imposter syndrome because I never set out in a million years to do the job that I do. I still have days okay. where I don't want to do the job that I do. And I have days where I love the job that I do. So I, I tell people I'm a co-founder. I, and I hate this word. And it's not one that I use. And I want to find a better word for it. But the whole 2023 word of I'm a disruptor. I'm changing the way that the world works one step at a time. Because it's a little bit broken right now. I also model part-time. Un- I think that's a bit of an understatement, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little yeah, bit broken. I'm trying to be polite about it. No, the world is screwed. Um, and we're, we're heading off on a tangent that is not healthy for anybody living on this planet or anybody out in the stars that's looking at this planet going, well, then I'm making a meal out of that one. Mm. Yeah, I model part-time. I look after a lot of people. I've always mummied people. And I guess, part of my job is kind of doing that in a way it's it's about looking out for the people so yeah what do I do I care I think is the bottom line I care a lot and I want to where, make... where does that come where does that come from because oh, I'm going to be a little bit generalist here but it seems to me there's a lot of people who are very not self-aware at the moment who are self I kind of say, say this with a touch of caution. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not at all. I'm going to say a, a bit self-absorbed, selfish. Yeah, totally. And I know there's there's a lot of people who aren't as well, so I, I will throw that caveat in there. But where does that come from, from you to be that person? I think it's a very fine line between being self-absorbed and ego-driven Because without the ego, we don't know what is right and wrong because the ego kicks in to allow us to recognise where we have maybe overstepped the mark or not stepped up to the mark. And a lot of people, I think, have spent a lot of time putting their energy into other people. It's certainly something that I've done for years. And to actually step back and recognise that if I don't take care of myself first, I can't take care of other people. It's a really yeah. difficult thing to do, especially when you get penalised for it because people aren't used to you behaving in that way. So suddenly mm. with people saying, oh, well, you, you know, you've become selfish or self-absorbed, sometimes can come from people that can't do that for themselves because of their 
views on themselves and their self-worth. And I think also comes from a lot of people probably over the last few years who throughout COVID have hit rock bottom. They have sat in that deep, dark pit. They've gone and got help. They've gone to therapy. They've reached out. And people have said to them, look, you have spent so much of your time giving your energy to other people. You now need to give some to yourself if you want to continue helping people without having burnout because it seems to be something we've all gone through. So I think it's a change kind of globally that is happening, yet people aren't recognising it as self-care. People are recognising it as as being egotistical and self-absorbed because we're not used to being told that it's okay to put ourselves first. Yeah, fair point. (laughs) I guess for anyone who's not aware, do you want to give... A little overview of what Billy Chip is. So and correct, correct, correct the, the people out there who are saying it's a Greg's <laughs> marketing initiative. So it's not a Greg's marketing initiative. The Billy Chip is a community interest company that was set up in 2018 after I lost my little brother in a motorbike accident in Thailand. He had gone traveling with some friends, as most people do, and four days yeah. into his his trip, he died. And I'll go into kind of the the depths of that later, but the Billy Chip is his legacy. It's a idea that he came up with, whether it's something he'd thought about or a passing comment, we will never know. But my dad used to come home and chuck his leftover change when change was a thing into a pot. And Bill's had said to him, you know, why wouldn't you give that to somebody who sat on the side of the street? And my dad, who is in his 50s, said, like I imagine most people of his kind of generation, well, I don't know where it's going. I don't want to encourage a drug addiction or them buying alcohol or give them a reason to stay on the streets. And what if I woke up the next day and that person was on the news and they died of a drug overdose? I would feel awful. And my brother, I think, like a lot of people of probably my generation, said that's not up to you that's not your choice your choice is whether you decide to help somebody what they do with it is up to them and you can't kind of put your your worries and project your worries and your problems onto that as an excuse not to help and Billy said you know it's a shame there's not just a token which means that they're guaranteed like a tea or coffee or food because then you'd give that to them instead if you hadn't got the time to go and buy them a cup of tea or buy them a cup of coffee or this that or the other And after Bills had died in March of 2018, my parents had gone to see Paloma Faith, who is a huge supporter of the homeless, and had said to people at a gig, you know, don't leave your litter on the floor. If everybody took home what they brought, then kind of the world would be a better place if we put ourselves first and look after what's within our reach before we start looking after other people. And Dad had said, well, that was... That's reminded me of a conversation I had with Billy and, you know, maybe we should should ask people what they think about it and we should go for it. And so we did. Around the kitchen table, the three of us, we poured everything into the Billy chip. My dad gave his job up on Monday, I think it was the 4th of March 2020. Uh, and we went into COVID lockdown on the Thursday. So 
the last few years have been really tough because yeah. we've been running this with very little support, very little funds, but a lot of love and a lot of people that want to do good in the world and see the Billy Chip as a mechanism and a currency that is kind and safe and secure and giving those the option who don't want to give change to the homeless an alternative. We've never said don't yeah. don't give change to the homeless. We've never said don't support the homeless um, in whichever way you can. But this is for those who that sort of giving change or they have no change is uncomfortable. So they can use the billy chip instead. I have so many questions. I just don't even know where to start. <laughs> Did your brother have any, like, it sounds to me like it's kind of almost like a throwaway comment that he made to your dad rather than actually... And I don't say this in a weird way, but like being, did you have any relationship with homelessness or was it just a throwaway comment that sort of snowballed into this thing? He did in terms of even as a young child, you know, we'd get a fiver for Christmas off the grandparents and we'd go into town. And before we know it, Billy's given his entire fiver to somebody on the streets. And then I asked mum if they'd go and buy them a hot chocolate or a cup of tea or a coffee, or he sat on the floor with the dog. And he was always, for a 20, he was 20 when he died. He was very aware. He used to drive non-emergency ambulances for a company in the Southwest. He would take people to dialysis and kind of do patient transport. One of my favourite stories, which I think pretty much sums up who Bills was. Yes, he was, you know, your typical 20-year-old and he was an absolute pain in my ass. We were 17 months apart. Uh, we'd fight like cat and dog, but he was my best mate. And I would put him before anybody else in the world because he would put me before anybody else in the world. But he'd yep. taken one patient up to London who had finally got an appointment to get his prosthetic leg fitted. And so Bill's had driven this ambulance all the way up to London with this guy. And he'd finally got his prosthetic fitted and Billy was to then driving back home. And he was chatting to this guy and this guy had said to him, you know, I can't wait to get kind of get out and get back and buy myself a, a real pair of trainers because this guy had only ever worn <laughs> one shoe. Right. And Billy, being Billy, drives straight down Oxford Street, double parks, yellow lines, outside the Nike store, and goes, come on, mate, Let's we're going to go and get you. We're going to go and get you shoes. And that's what he got told off for, and the amount of times that his work would phone up and say, look, we know that Billy's had the best intention, but he can't leave the vans on for three hours to keep the heating on because someone's, you know, appointments running late. He can't go in and open every single, you know, sealed, sanitised blanket in the back of a van to give to one patient because she's cold. And Billy was like, well, why the hell not? Because my job is to look after people and put people first. And actually, yes, okay, fine, your business model doesn't quite suit that. But, Mm. you know, Doreen's 98 and shivering her ass off in the back of this van. I'm going to keep her warm. That's my job. My job is to look after people. And so, yeah, he was always wrong person, wrong place, wrong time, trying to do a bit of good to the world. And he used to get in trouble for it. Do you and know I what? Think... Though? I mean, I, sorry to interrupt. I think I think the world needs more people like that. 
Oh, like, it's genuinely, I'm not just saying that. It's it's there's so much going on that actually you need people to turn around and go, no, I want to I want to help more, I want to do more. Yeah, it's kind of up yours to the system that we all sit behind our computer screens and say when we see a post on Facebook about you know something that's happened. But how many people are the ones to stand up and? Yeah, how many people are the ones to stand up and do it? How many people are the ones to <clears throat> be willing to get told off for doing what is inherent, inherently right? And he yeah. was that person. And so whether it was a throwaway comment or not, actually the gravity of what he said sat on a very soul level with Billy and who he yeah. was and what he did. And for a 20-year-old that you know used to go out and drum and bass raise, and then do stuff like that was it confused a lot of people i can imagine yeah (laughs) i just want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about when when you say what you do so you're co-founder of billy chip which is a charity and you you said about um imposter syndrome and you kind of don't like to say that so much i kind of wanted to pull at that thread a bit and just find out why i guess it's it's really difficult because I I guess I went to drama school, but I trained as a stage manager for film and television. Okay. And then I got really unwell and I had had four knee surgeries. I've had a super rare blood disorder, which nearly killed me. And I've lost my little brother all within the last kind of like five to seven years. And I'm still like, is I'm not the person I thought I would be growing up. I'm not in the position I thought I would be growing up. Life has thrown so many different things in my direction. I yeah. kind of almost don't recognise who, who I am in a way. And I think that I, I thought I'd have my own little place somewhere. I'd be doing a job that I love, probably within the media world. And my brother would be the naughty kid that still hadn't quite left home yet because he never found a passion. He was kind of always jumping from this to that to the other. And Mm. I was always the sort of more stable one. And then I wasn't, and nothing in my life was stable and nothing in my life has been stable kind of since losing Billy. And I never thought I would set up a business that was a community interest company. I never thought I would set up a charity. I never thought, my life would take this path and part of me is still kind of searching for that but thing that is you, just my own rather than it having kind of my brother's face and name plastered all over it okay but have you kind of inadvertently found your passion i mean the, the way you've you know come about is obviously tragic and horrendous but have you sort of found your passion now doing this i think i have because i've always wanted to help people and do good I think I'm I'm just like a teenager kind of resisting it. <laughs> okay. And I'm not sure why. And I'm going to therapy to try and figure out why. Um, but I think it is just that whole experiencing trauma and people telling you you've done something great. And then being like, well, you know, shit happens. Shit's happened to me and I'm just kind of making my, the best out of what is a bad situation. Yeah. And I love my job and I love the people that I work with and I want to murder my co-founder 
most days because it's also my dad. <laughs> Working with family is never easy. But the days when I sit on the streets with those who have been helped by the Billy Chip or the days where I get emails from huge global companies saying, okay, let's explore this. Yeah. I can't believe that I am doing what I'm doing and I can't believe I've done what I've done. And that does bring me a real sense of joy. And I think I'm just... I'm annoyed because Billy's not here to say it and it's something I would love to share with him. Yeah. And I also think he would think I'm absolutely mad for doing this and going, why on earth have you thought that doing this was a good idea? Because it is stress and it is confusion and it is all of those things, but also actually it's helping people. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah, of course. And I guess... For, for people who aren't aware just just talk through the logistics of it right so if I wanted to get involved what would what would I do so the billy chip is a two pound token and yep. with that token when you go and buy your cup of tea or coffee you buy a billy chip and you hand that to somebody who is on the streets whether you're walking to work heading towards the train station and so that... would I, sorry would I buy it from certain um, locations that yeah. are supporting the initiative yeah right. so you can buy many of right let that support the initiative which we've got a list of on our website we are currently sort of southwest uh heavy and currently facing along that m4 corridor from swansea to london so okay. you go you buy the billy chip you hand that to somebody who is on the street and they can then go back into any of our other outlets or the outlet that you bought it from and redeem it for a hot takeaway drink or a cold takeaway drink and the outlets that signed up understand that they are allowing that homeless person into their outlet they're allowing them to come in out of the cold and the minimum that they have to give is a hot or cold takeaway drink but we've got many outlets that offer more we've got many homeless people that know if they go to you know the cafe down the road at about 10 to 5 all those pastries that have been left for the day that they can't resell tomorrow, they just get handed them because they know that somebody with a billy chip is somebody who is probably living on the streets. Yeah. I mean, you must be very proud of this, right? Are there, are there times when you're sort of, when you're not busy and you sit back and reflect and think, Christ, what have I, what have I built here? God, times when I'm not busy, that would be nice, wouldn't ah. it? <laughs> Yeah, there are. There or, or just, are or just that five, five minutes before you sort of drop off at night or you, you know, you, I don't know. I think the biggest one for me was we got a train to Manchester just before COVID and we went on to the morning breakfast show and we spoke about the Billy Chip and I sat on that red sofa at the BBC studios in Manchester and kind of was like, oh, we're really doing this. And the train home took us, I think it was about four hours. And between the second that that had stopped filming live and we'd walked off of that stage to when we'd got to the train station, me and my dad had 200 emails each in our inbox. By the time we'd got back to Bristol, it was up to about 800 of people just saying oh my gosh you're incredible look what you've done 
and it was so overwhelming we both turned our phones off because <laughs> we were like what do we do how do we manage this how do we combat this how do we get back to each and every individual person for me that's a really important thing is if someone yeah. has taken the time to reach out and say we love what you're doing I want to be able to reach back out personally and say thank you to those people and it's times like that where I go do you know what this has we could change the world with this we really could because the billy chip could be the currency for it can be changed the redemption rate can be changed we never set out to kind of create a currency because that's a very bold ambiguous thing to do is to create yeah. a currency um what we set out but it's to true, do right? was yeah but we set out to because create I, a token I, I, gesture <laughs> i i was i was out at the weekend and listen I, i'll put my hands up and say like you know i'm probably ob- oblivious of, of this kind of situation particularly more so lately i don't know why but and we were out and, and someone some three people throughout the course of an hour said oh have you got any spare change i was like i haven't and it wasn't like i i just don't carry change anymore i don't know that sounds yeah. like you know maybe a ridiculous thing to say i don't know but i, I just didn't but nobody does Nobody does no. because we've all been told that change is dirty, change carries diseases, change will spread COVID across the country. Well, plus you've got contactless, right? It's just, I've got my phone everywhere I go, I just buy paper stuff on my phone. It's Yeah. I Honestly, apart from when my children are asking for a pound to stick in the, the arcade machine, wherever we may be. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I just don't do it. But right. I guess that that must be a huge knock-on effect for the homeless of of the oh, it is of the world, catacly- right? Yeah, it's cataclysmic. It's it has, you know, one day we all went to bed, and the next day we wake up, and you know, just speaking for England, we were in a national lockdown. Where yeah. are all those people supposed to go? You're not supposed to be out on the streets. Well, for some people, the streets that that is their home, and then suddenly you're shoving them all into housing, which a lot of them feel really uncomfortable being in due to kind of being surrounded by other people that have got drug issues um, and issues over kind of ownership of things and people being used to being on the streets because the government doesn't provide any aftercare for those who have been housed and homed. They're in those places for six weeks and then suddenly all of their support drops off because, well, they've done their job and they've put them in a house. These people mm. haven't had the responsibility of paying bills. They don't know how to go about sorting out their electricity bill. They don't know about council tax, about TV licences. They haven't got enough money to be able to put carpet on the floor or sleep on a proper bed. And then all of their home, you know, other friends and part of the community are seeing that they're now in a house. Well, why aren't we in a house? Why have you been picked that you get to go in a house? There are, I could go on for hours about the issues that there are, but because nobody carries change, you can't give that to anybody. And actually, change, I suppose, for the most part, is it's your leftovers. You've gone into your local town or city and you've gone and done your shopping with you know a wad of 20 pound note your change is the leftover it's the excess 
and people are literally begging for the excess of what you have after you've gone and bought yourself you know a new coat a new pair of trainers and now we don't even have that the billy chick gives somebody a tangible thing to hold on to that you know you can buy with contactless but you can still give them something that they've got that is physically theirs yeah the big thing for me was because i used to work in london and we lived just outside london so i'd get the train in every day to parrington and i'd always see the same person who used to sit just along from where i used to get my used to get off the train i used to get my coffee in the same place every day and it was like i don't know two pound fifty or whatever and i would pay three and i'd always give them the 50p yeah and then that evolved into sort of oh actually you know you're leaving the house oh, i haven't got any change oh, i just do it on contactless so then yeah. i guess it evolves even further when people aren't even going commuting in as much anymore no have you, have you just you mentioned something about the government and stuff like and the initiative are you in contact with anyone there has anyone sort of come to you to, to talk about these challenges it's been conversations we've had local councils have reached out and we're working with a couple at the moment to try and embed this scheme within their like business improvement districts and things like that yes we have gone to the council yes we have gone to the government and nobody really wants to give you the time of day nobody really wants to take the time to understand it it's not solving homelessness so why would they get involved and we turn around and say well it gets rid of or moves people on that are unscrupulously begging because they don't want billy chips they want cash they want to make money all of these gangs that are trafficked in to the country that you know sit and beg you go and offer them a billy chip and they don't want it so you then know who really is in need and who isn't in need people that we've companies we've spoken to where you know people have gone in and stolen tip jars and things like that that stopped because they've got a billy chip they know that they are allowed into that place to redeem it and that person cares about them there's no animosity it's I am now a normal person a normal patron of this cafe and I can go and spend my billy chip and get my cup of tea or coffee and I can sit here quietly and I can build a relationship with them it's great for companies kind of for their CSR and it protects staff in a way that they know that homeless people are coming in. They know that people are going to be in there and asking for a cup of tea or coffee. And their corporate social responsibility is sorted without them having to do anything apart from what they do day to day and sell cups of tea or coffee. Do you know how many Billy Chips have been like traded since you've, since you've begun? We have put out... I think probably the best part of 5,000 into the system. But they keep getting reused, presumably. They keep getting, yeah, so that's 5,000 new ones. They keep getting reused and redeemed. On average, looking at kind of our last few, it's not a huge amount, but, you know, we're currently trialling with Greg's in Bristol in the hope that we will spread this out nationwide throughout Mm. this year. And the stats at the moment stand that they sell about 11 billy chips per month and redeem about eight billy chips. That's on average across nine per stores. Per month, did you say? Yeah. Okay. So it's, but that's just Greg's. We've got all of our independence on top of that. And right. what we find is a lot of 
the time they're bought in places which are high-end cafes which have the clientele that wouldn't give cash to the homeless um, and are independent and most of the time they are redeemed in places like Greg's places that are easy access places that are fast food places that these homeless people can walk in and walk out of without kind of being identified but being identified enough that you know staff yeah. recognize them and and will help them out and that's across the so that's just across the nine Greg's that we've got in Bristol at the moment but we operate over 60 outlets across the UK with the hope that I've got a meeting today with the co-op we've had meetings with Asda there is a huge demand for it it's just about some businesses you know saying okay we're going to be the ones to do this and the minute that happens everybody else wants to jump on board so that that was going to be my next question if (laughs) if, what's the biggest challenge you are facing right now with Billy Chip that if someone's listening to this could kind of I don't know fix or solve what, what would you say it is well the biggest challenge or one of the challenges is obviously getting into outlets another challenge yeah. as always is funding we've self-funded this for four years you know if somebody would love to leave the billy chip in their will that would be great we'd really appreciate it <laughs> yeah. and kind of working I think you know I don't come from a technological background at all neither does John the co-founder he worked in renewable cells for most of his life and we have had to learn about ecosystems and currencies and how you know big companies work their tills and being able to put Billy Chip into their till systems as a sold button the redemption button and how did the yeah. redemption button work in terms of the code voucher and things like that? We've had to work out transport and being able to deliver these silly chips without me driving around in my car all across the country to deliver boxes. Um, we've had to learn from scratch how to build a business, how to sustain a business and how to fund a business to mm. create business plans and mechanisms and run accounts and banking and employ other people and deal with HMRC, which is an entirely people need to run courses on that at schools I think it's that is a mindful what we don't struggle with is the passion and people wanting to get involved what we struggle with is getting it over the line to those big companies to say look just give it a try give it a go because they always want to do it and it's great but it's so simple and then they go oh well you know we're not sure if we can put this into that our chill system and it's because those people that we're talking to don't know how their till system works because they're not on the ground. They don't work day to day in the coffee shop. They work in a big office in a corporate building and their job is to answer emails. Whereas we go and speak to the people on the ground that are in the coffee shops and they go, oh, well, yeah, you just press this button, this button, this button, and that would do it. So I think that's probably one of our main challenges is trying to kind of get that all the way up through to the top of the, the chain to say, look, the people on the ground know how it works and it's fine. You kind of need to trust them and trust us that, you know, this works. It doesn't cost people anything to sign up to the Billy Chip. We send them out their pack for free. They sell their Billy Chips on our behalf at £2 a Billy Chip and we credit them £1 for every Billy Chip they redeem, which will cover the cost price of their tea or coffee that they've, that they've given away. So yeah. they're getting paid for it. 
it costs them nothing. And I think the issue is we go to people with the scheme and they go, oh, well, we can't afford to do that. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't cost you. Yeah, but we can't afford to do it. We can't afford to support another charity. We can't afford to support another scheme. We've got our own. And it's like, but we're not asking you to do anything that you don't do anyway. We're just asking you to press the redeem button when a homeless person walks in and asks for a couple of Do you think that's the real reason? Music. The real reason, probably, people can't be bothered. They can't okay. be bothered to look into it. It's such a new, innovative idea. It's There's nothing else like it in the world. And people go, yeah, but it can't be that simple. What's the hidden cost? What's the hidden agenda? It's like, there isn't one. <laughs> We're just trying to help people out. I wondered if it was more... They didn't want the homeless in their restaurants and cafes and stores and their house, using the using the logistical side of it as an excuse, maybe. There has certainly been that, but we have no proof that the Billy Chip causes an issue. We've got proof that the mm. Billy Chip will solve people's issues, will give them... There is prejudices, you know, right? There is, and there always is. For everybody and yeah. for everything, people look at me and go, "How is she twenty six years old and running a business like this?" Which then makes me look in the mirror and go, "How am I twenty six years old and running a business like this?" Oh, that's, but... a, that's a jealousy thing, Meg. That's not or, or, <laughs> that's that's on on even jealousy, but it's people people struggle to believe that what can be done if they think they can't do it. Absolutely, and that's the thing with the Billy Chip. Nobody knows it's a new concept people don't understand how it works and you say to them base level you sell a billy chip for two pounds somebody comes in and redeems it we give you or credit you one of those pounds from that two pound sale yeah, yeah but that you know but how much have we got to pay to set it up nothing you just put it through your till system well we don't know how to put it through your till system well speak to the guy that runs your tills and he'll tell you that you know how to do it oh i haven't got time for that we're really struggling to keep the lights on as a business or you know, we're all finding it really hard at the moment. And it's like, I know you're finding it hard sat in your cushy office with your BMW on finance sat outside. Imagine how that bloke who's sat outside your office is feeling because he's got three rips in his sleeping bag and the severe weather protocol hasn't found him and he's been stuck in, you know, minus three degrees. We, all of our issues are relative to ourselves. And yes, at times there's no point in going, well, you know, I there's always that kind of line of I can remember my parents saying to me as a kid you know you need to finish all the food on your plate there's children that are starving in Africa yeah and then you go I know and I get that but A I can't ship this leftover food to Africa B not that's not my problem but I get it but there's also kind of nothing I can do about it and see, it's like, well, okay, why don't we think about food recycling instead and food waste and what we can do kind of at home and starting here before we yeah. start thinking about, you know, all of those thousands of children that are starving in Africa. And it's that thing of if we all looked after what's going on kind of on our doorstep and outside of our office and in our own country, um put those resources first off to us it will put us in a much better position mentally mentally physically financially to help people abroad and businesses have got 
a responsibility to either educate their staff, help their staff help other people, or at least kind of shed some light on what's going on. And people are afraid to do it and stand up and be counted because like Billy, that's not how society works. That's not how businesses work. And chances are you'll probably get a smack on the wrist for it. <laughs> do, do you feel like you're getting close to a tipping point where it's going to start getting a bit easier to, to get it out there? Absolutely. This year's the year. I've got no doubt about it at all that this is the year. We're far enough out of COVID. We are old enough as a business. We have got a new accounting system behind us, which means we can cope with businesses like Greg's that have got multiple outlets uh, regionally. We can cope with places like uh, train stations that have run like SSP that have got multiple brands under one kind of roof, like shopping centers. Mm-hmm. We've, we are developing and beta testing the software that means we can deal with that because beforehand it was an app and it was one app per business, per kind of location and one account. And we just couldn't, we couldn't cope with the demand. And we've had to learn that, you know, we we need an accounting system and software that can deal with all of that. And we were taking off before COVID and we were running well before we could walk. And COVID's given us the opportunity to kind of take a step back, reevaluate. And yeah, this year, within the first, what are we at? 11th of January, I've already had and made four or five of the biggest phone calls of my career being at the Billy Chip within five days because of of Christmas, what's happened, and people are now recognising the knock-on effects kicking in from COVID. Yeah. It's kicking in and it's staring people straight in the face. Is um is Paloma Faith aware of the the part she's had in this initiative? We have reached out to her through various different avenues and are yet to kind of have heard anything back if for whatever reason Paloma you are listening to this thank you because you I'll, t- I'll tag I'll tag her in the, uh, <laughs> tag her in it she was the, the ca- she was the catalyst to to John remembering that idea and to us going yeah do you know what we need to do this and we've had some incredible support um Professor Green has supported us Tyson Fury has supported us I can see people's faces but I can't even remember their names Jurassic Park guy what is his name the guy from Jurassic Park Spielberg not Spielberg the other one Jeff Goldblum yes yeah Jeff supported us no way yeah how did he support you Jack who is our comms director is incredible and got hold of him at Glastonbury and told him all about the scheme and he took a picture with us (laughs) Um, and we've got a Hall of Fame here at the office of all the amazing people. Martin Roberts off the telly. He yeah, is a yeah. huge support. He came and did the CEO sleep out with us and has been amazing. Professor Green came as a surprise act to my brother's funeral, which was a festival. We had a thousand people. We set fire to a 10-foot Viking ship because Billy had always joked that he wanted a Viking funeral. And I didn't tell anybody, but Professor Green then turned up on stage and did a set. And it was one of the best and worst days of my life. And I will never forget it. Billy is part of his 
music video for photographs with Rang and Bone Man. Um, and I've done bits for a documentary that hopefully will be released at some point about grief and grieving and talking about grief. And yeah, we are so lucky to be supported by so many incredible people. And so yeah, this this year's our year. I just I know it is everything we sat in the office and spoke about as our goals for 2023 on the last day, 23rd of December. And Jack, John, Izzy, and I sat in the office and we said, you know, we need something to go viral with Greg. So people are knocking down Greg's door, so we need you to run this out. And we came back to the office on the fourth of January <laughs> and went, well. Don't really know how that happened, but <laughs> we've just blasted ourselves six months into the future over two weeks. That's awesome. And my honest and truthful belief is that there is a 20-year-old kid sat on a star somewhere going, well, you asked for it. Let's see how you cope with this mess. Well, so I've I got no doubt. I think 2023 will be your year, and I think it's... I love seeing journeys like this where it's struggle, struggle, struggle. And then that weird little stupid thing happens that punches you down that um, further down the line. It's just, it's great. I mean, it's, it's obviously a tragic situation and I guess it's easy for me to say, but it, it's kind of amazing what has grown out of that tragic situation, right? Because oh, it's incredible. there are probably tragic situations up and down the country all day, every day. And most probably go unpassed or sort of got forgotten about very quickly or whatever. So, I mean, it is truly incredible what you've built out of this. And I think that's really difficult for some people because there's an old proverb somewhere, and I can't remember who said it, but it's that you die twice, once when your body is put in a grave and once when the last person speaks your name for a final Mm. time. And that really sat with me. And Bills was cremated out in Thailand and most of his ashes, he had a traditional Thai funeral. We weren't there for it because that was a a choice and decision that we'd made, that we weren't going to go out. We got some of his ashes back, but most of them went in the sea, which is, is what they do out there. And for me and my spiritual path, that was the right way to do things is, you know, life is cyclical. We are born and we die and we go back to the earth but I had some element of control over the last time that somebody will speak my brother's name yeah and I'm not willing for to let that be be anytime soon (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely and if I can do good with that then I will but it's hard and when you are shoved into that grief and that shock and you can't function as a human being, grief is such a journey and one that I will be on for the rest of my life in learning how to deal with with what I've lost. Mm. And as I lose more people, I lost my granddad last year who was one of my favourite, if not my favourite person in the world. And grief is then suddenly so different for so many different people and what they mean to you and how they affected you. And I think 
to set up a charity in somebody's name is really hard work and I applaud and commend and have such love for all of those people that have done that but I also have so much respect for those who don't who Mm. take their grief and sit in their grief and honour the person they have lost however they feel that they need to be honoured and I don't think there's a right or wrong way to go about it and I'm not a stronger person for creating the billy chip I'm not a better person for creating the billy chip I I did what I needed to do to look after myself and to say that I have dealt with my grief in in the way that I felt was right well you have and you know what is testament to what you've built to the fact we're still on question number one and (laughs) we're nearly 50 minutes in and I could sit and talk to you about this. I have so many questions. I'm almost like holding back on them because I'm thinking we're going to be four hours down the line. You'll be like, Chris, I need to go and, uh, <laughs> go and have my dinner. Um, we could do, we'll do the other one in real life. I would yes. be your guinea pig for your real life. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could be the first one. I'm going to move on to question number two. If you weren't doing Billy Chip, I know you kind of answered it earlier, but and you, you could do anything in the world, there's no limits, what, what would it be? I will be at some point, and I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I'm putting it out there. I want to make documentaries. I want to present short films and TV and documentaries about people's journeys. I want to go and speak to people. I want to show the world that there are other incredible people out there who have come through such adversity, who are changing the way that the world works who don't understand why we are stuck in such a way that we can't see past our own greatness mm. so yeah it's if I wasn't doing the billy chip that's what I'd like to do and I will be doing it alongside the billy chip when when the billy chip is at the point that I can go yeah cool I'm gonna do both <laughs> it's good to hear it's a good idea i'd I'd like yeah maybe we'll uh, catch up again in the future i think there's stuff i'd like to do down that route i think it's just interesting i think the reason i do this podcast is because i feel like everyone is interested in their own right to a certain degree and they've all got interesting stories and they've all doing things a little bit different and approach things a little bit different and i think there's so many learnings to be taken away from that absolutely and i think it's a it's a confidence thing if nobody sees the world how you see it and what you bring to the world is so individual that you need to have faith in yourself and back yourself that you know maybe one day what you say had it been 10 years ago five minutes ago will impact somebody to change their life and put them on a completely different path than what they thought and that's just from you speaking from the heart and being truthful and honest to yourself. Is that sometimes well, I mean, it goes back to it. what you were saying earlier, right? So weirdly, I, I had a, a, a young lad on, on Monday who was similar sort of age to you. And I say young lad, not to be patronising, but just because I'm 45, 44. And I love it because I kind of, now I'm 44, I sort of look back to my mid-20s and I almost forget what I was like and, and that youthful ambition and that youthful confidence that you sort of gets drummed out of you a little bit yeah and it's kind of cool because I've got two young kids right and I want them to grow up to sort of know that on one hand it's a shame that you get that imposter syndrome because of, of, of all the things that are going on but on the other hand it's, it's it's amazing what you are in the process of building at such a young age and I, and I don't want age to be a factor because <laughs> I don't believe it should be but 
there will be people your age, younger, maybe even older probably, who, who will list this and go, I can do that as well, or I could do something similar because they've seen you do it, right? Or they've heard the story of how you've done it. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, I can remember going into school and being told in school, like, you've got to go to university, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And it doesn't suit everybody. And it's really hard when you trust your peers and you trust the adults around you to kind of guide you. And they said, well, you know, you should go to university. It's definitely the best option. When you go to university, I hated my degree. I hated it. It didn't suit me at all. I really struggled kind of with the people and uh, with the way that the industry works, especially being female within the kind of media industry. What was your degree? Really tough. It was in stage management for film and television. Okay. And oh, yeah, 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 I find I find it really hard. And I think by giving other people that opportunity to kind of go, okay, well, here are your options, what would you like to do is a better way of teaching people to be self-sufficient and yeah. to have that confidence to go, oh, okay, well, I've come up with something in as an idea like this and maybe I just need to give it a shot and I need to ask people for help and support rather than ask people their opinion on it almost. Because mm. asking for people's opinions, I think sometimes, you know, you don't actually get the opinion you wanted. It can be quite damaging, <laughs> really tough. No, and, and and you've also got to put a value on that opinion, right? Why is one person's opinion more valuable than the other? Or, you know, whose opinion do you listen to if they're, if they're yeah. different? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a hard one. But I think having, having that confidence or the situation that throws you into being in the position, like for me, having lost Billy, which has thrown me into running and doing the Billy trip, you don't know what that catalyst is going to be and actually when it's out of your control sometimes makes it a lot easier but it also makes it a hell of a lot harder different challenges right absolutely yeah tell me something about you that not many people know what do a lot of people not know about me this is the thing i'm quite an open book (laughs) actually probably the imposter syndrome has affected me a hell of a lot more than people think that i can quite happily stand on a stage in front of like a thousand people and introduce Professor Green or I can go on the telly and know that millions of people are are watching. I hate picking the phone up in the office. <laughs> I used to be I hate like making that. I hate making a phone call in the office. I hate yeah, I really don't like it. But put me on a stage in front of loads of people and I couldn't care less. I thrive off of it. I love it. And I don't know what that's kind of called. I don't know if it's because there's other people in the office listening to my conversation. (laughs) It really puts me off. But I'm quite an extrovert and I can be very loud, but I can also be very quiet and not want to be seen and not want to be noticed and want to just sort of disappear and, and, yeah, not not be that and for me it's kind of like I guess a bit of a work persona that I put on is yeah you know having to be be okay about stuff and having to talk about losing my brother sometimes it the gravity of it kind of hits me and I think a lot of people do that with a lot of their businesses is you know we we have to sell ourselves as people for people to trust in us for people to trust in our business and what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing 
and pe- a lot of people see that side not a lot of people see the side of me where I'm snuggled up on the sofa with my boyfriend who's like you know you're gonna be fine this is gonna be okay you have got this yeah and yeah it's it's a tough thing to talk about because it's a vulnerability and when you're trying to create a business and create a way to change the world you can't be vulnerable because people will poke holes in your armor and kind of hit you where it hurts because they need I to know I think I think that vulnerability is probably more so now than it was, I don't know, five, ten, twenty years ago. I think people actually understand that we are vulnerable, right? All of us are vulnerable yeah. in our own way, one one way or another. But I think you've got to be vulnerable yeah. and trustworthy, you know. You've got to be vulnerable, but you can't be vulnerable to the point where people will take advantage and you can't be vulnerable to the point where, you know, if we if the amount of people that have said to us, oh, well, we're not sure if that's a good idea or maybe you should have done it like this or maybe you should have done it like that. But everyone's got that opinion, right, until they get in. And it's like it's easy to say when you're not putting in 10, 11, 12 hours a day building what you're building. Yeah. But I think whatever be- that might be. Because it's attached to my brother's name and my brother's legacy, there mm. are days where I... There are days where I've sat on the streets going between coffee shops and I've bawled my eyes out and gone, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. And I sat there. I'll let you into a little secret, Meg. <laughs> no, no one no one really knows what they're doing no. with their business. <laughs> but I'll tell you what was funny. What was funny was being that person sat on the street crying my eyes out. And having people walk past me and look at me with snot running down my face. And nobody, everybody would look at me and look away. And suddenly I was in the position of the people that I'm trying to help. Mm. I wasn't living on the streets, but I was sat on the streets in a very vulnerable position. And people were ignoring me and pretending I didn't exist because they couldn't deal with it. And I went into one of our outlets and one of the guys went, God, you look like you've had a rough day. Do you want a cup of tea? I'm not going to charge you for it, but you just, you need to just sit in the corner for five and drink a cup of tea. And at that moment, it clicked. And that was just before Christmas. And that's four years into what I'm doing. That was the wow. moment it clicked. And I went, and this is what I'm enabling other people to be able to do. And this is why I'm doing it. And since then my entire attitude about my job has changed and it took four years nobody knows that (laughs) thank you for sharing i read some stat a while ago that said something along the lines of and i am paraphrasing because i can't remember exactly what it was but it's something along the lines of every person in the country is three months away from the potential of being homeless Yes, that is correct. And you, have you heard that before? What's scarier is since COVID, that's dropped to one and a half. We Wowzers. are now one and a half months away from being homeless because of the economy and everything that's changed. Well, this is it. When I first heard it, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm sitting in my comfortable house with my comfortable job and my... I was like, how... And then, and then it had a real impact on me. And it's bugging me that I can't remember who it was, but 
at first I was so dismissive of it. I was like, no, that's that's just not that's crazy. But then actually, when you start thinking about it, that those dominoes don't take long to start happening. Right, it's just something something somewhere needs to go wrong. Yeah, and then the dominoes can can go. And what annoys me is a lot of people think that those on the streets are homeless because of gambling addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions. Most of those mm. people are on the streets because throughout COVID they've lost a job, they've gone through a divorce, their company's collapsed, they've not been able to get a job anywhere else. And don't get me wrong, there are certain people who, yes, a gambling addiction hasn't helped, a drug addiction hasn't helped, getting a driving ban for yeah. whatever reason hasn't helped. Most of the people on the streets I speak to, their families don't know they're on the streets. Most of the people on the streets I speak to have gone through a divorce and their wife has kicked them out for whatever yeah. reason and she is there with the kids because the kids came first and that's their mother and so the dads are the ones that are out on the streets. And then the gambling addiction starts and then the drug addiction starts and then the alcohol starts because mm. what else are you supposed to do? There yeah, why not, right? so many times you can try. If I was on the streets, don't get me wrong, I would probably be smoking, drinking and taking whatever I could get my hands on because why on earth would I sit there every day going over and over mm. the position I'm in without looking for some way to escape? Our escapism is chucking Netflix on or turning the PlayStation on or going on to YouTube. That is how we escape our lives. Those people haven't got that. So it's whatever's next, whatever's cheapest, whatever's easiest to get a hold of. Yeah. Powerful, isn't it? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a more apt word. I... <laughs> I kind of, I guess I know the question's number four already. I will I will float it out there, but most pivotal moment in your life? It's funny because, yes, it's losing Billy, but that is an umbrella for so many other things, like before Christmas being sat on the side of the road and one of our outlets offering me a cup of tea or coffee. When I was 17, I got diagnosed with a blood disorder that nearly killed me. And I was left on my own because my parents had gone away and had a blood test. And the doctors thought I had hepatitis or leukemia. And I was on my own and I was sat there going, oh my God, I've ruined my parents' life. I've ruined everyone's lives. What am I going to do? Um, and spent the next three years recovering, having surgery, having... Uh, a type of chemo and raising 80 or over 80 grand to change the way in which that blood disorder called ITP is dealt with. It is no longer, uh, we've been through trials and things, the placebo effect of kind of steroids, which is fixes your platelet count straight up and then after two weeks drops off straight back. We've managed to now write legislation which has changed that and getting our office and going to Thailand and seeing where Billy died and last year I took four months out and I went traveling and went and worked in America I think to say that there is one pivotal moment is really difficult because actually there's so many things that have built me into who I am today yeah 
and so many tiny moments as well so many moments of you know that email coming through that you've been waiting like the, for. like the sliding doors kind of moments yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah losing Billy changed my life but it's changed his mates lives it's changed my parents lives and it has also changed complete strangers lives but they'd never turn around and go, what's the pivotal moment in your life? Oh, well, there was this kid from Bristol that died. And, you know, his family decided to make this thing. And one day I got handed this billy chip. And actually that billy chip meant that on a night where it was one degrees, I could go inside and grab a cup of coffee somewhere. And that cup of coffee kept me warm overnight and saved my life. So, yeah, my pivotal moment has been a lot of other people's pivotal moments as well without them even knowing who I am or who Billy is, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Very Spider-Man with a great sense of something comes, with great power comes great responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel a huge sense of responsibility. Uh, Do you know what? It's, It's just, it's kind of, it's an amazing story. And I don't say that lightly because I know what sort of instigated the story, but just everything you're doing is kind of so cool. And just... Thank you. <laughs> well, no, but this is why I wanted you on in the first place because I was just like, whilst I whilst I love this podcast because I get to speak to loads of people and hear about their interesting stories, and they are interesting stories, and I'm not belittling anything anyone's told me in past episodes because there's been so much learning and so many takeaways. I feel like what you're doing is just on a whole new level and it's it kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Like I said, I could, <laughs> I, I'm just getting so many questions popping into my head that, yeah. It's a lot. Of your time. It's, it's <laughs> fine. I've got a meeting at, yeah, at one, so we're all right. It's, it is a lot and it overwhelms me too because I live it and I have to yeah. kind of, put a bit of a dampener on it to be able to cope <laughs> and to be yeah. able to deal with stuff and it's a bit like you know when you say to me oh well you know how did it feel to be on tv and how does it feel to do this and how does it feel to do that i, feel I am like very I was... curious about the whole tv uh <laughs> part of things yeah i if i let all of those things in i get so overwhelmed i can't function so i have to be like mm. oh yeah you know what well, we just we just went on telly and I've just done this and I've just done that and you know I'm very lucky I think a huge thing that blew my brains out was in 2021 21 or 22 yeah 2021 I was the recipient of the Princess Diana award I saw that yeah and people are like oh my god that's incredible do you realize what you've done and my honest answer is no, not really. It was just nice that they'd kind of, you know, sent me a sent me a certificate in the post <laughs> and had recognised oh, me. Didn't get, you, didn't get to go to, you didn't get to meet anybody? No, because it was COVID. So it was all done online. And literally all that happened was my name popped up on a screen. But I have got to go through that and present an award. I got to do it in 2021 to two young girls in Bristol at the Bristol Young Hero Awards. And that is the moment, handing that piece of paper over to two young girls who helped a guy who had been in a RTA. 
that's the moment where I get overwhelmed. That's the moment where I go, oh my gosh, they've asked me because they think I'm a responsible adult and what I do is pretty cool <laughs> to inspire these kids to go and be better people. And it's stuff like that that makes me sit back and go, yeah, but a Meg. Fair play. Oh, come on, Meg. You, you are you are an inspiration, <laughs> and I I I know that anyone who listens to this will will think so too. And I, I have kind of a weird question. And if you want me to skirt over this question, to tell me. But do you think your grieving process has been different because of of what you're doing? I think it has for me, and I certainly know it has been for other people around me. I know that jack and john and i hope that they won't mind me saying this but you know their grieving process has massively been helped by the billy chip it's been something that they've been able to pour a lot of their energy into yeah and a quote for me that has always stuck with me that i absolutely adore is grief is love with nowhere to go okay and in terms of that if you think of that love being a gift physically that you can hold in your hands and that is something that you hand to somebody every single day with no expectation with no you you don't even want to thank you you just want that person to have what you've got in that little box and for it to light them up and for it to be good for them and for it to encourage them and to look after them and protect them and be a little bit of sunshine on their darkest days you lose that person and this is in all aspects this is with losing people this is with losing relationships this is with losing passions and jobs and dogs and hopes and aspirations you renew that love every day by giving that love away it's a cycle you you feel that within the very depths and essence of who you are and suddenly that person isn't there to give it to anymore and so you start to pile them up in a room and on a shelf but because that love isn't being used it's not being absorbed by somebody else it's just sat there in a box and over time it diminishes and the glow from those boxes get less and less and that means you're not then being fed by what you're giving away because you don't see that light get brighter. You don't see that light build upon a passion project or a love or a relationship or in someone's life. Yeah. And with the Billy Chip, a lot of people have given that love to the Billy Chip, which is allowed it and enabled it to grow and get bigger and that was all the love that we were giving Billy for such a long time and I think it's probably testament to us as as a family and to Billy's mates of how loved Billy was because you can see that with every step of the Billy chip and everything that we've achieved yeah and now people that don't even know Billy are handing that little gift over of love in the form of a billy chip to strangers they don't even know and that stranger is receiving that and going oh my goodness somebody has thought about me first and foremost somebody has purposely gone out of their way and bought a billy chip to give to somebody like me who needs it and then that bit of love inside of that person starts to grow and then they go and give it back into a coffee shop and the baristas in there 
feel that bit of love through the Billy chip that they're helping somebody out, but it's also helping their business grow. And what they're doing each day is supporting somebody else and supporting a business and then it's being redeemed and then somebody else is buying it. And so with every Billy chip that gets sold is an essence of me, an essence of John, an essence of Jack, of Izzy and of Billy and all the love Mm. that we can no longer give to Billy, we are now hoping we can give to everybody else that needs it and they can pass it on and it can grow and and evolve that way. That is uh, beyond profound. And um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, beautiful words, Meg, beautiful. Thank you. Is a kind of, is, it's kind of hard to segue onto the next question when you just said something so uh, amazing. <laughs> and, and I don't really know, I'm not a skilled enough interviewer to do it in a way that's not going to be clunky as uh, anything. It's fine, let's plunk through it, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Is there a tiny habit or practice that has had a positive impact on your life? I've started it this year with my boyfriend. Um, every night we go to bed and we say three things that we're grateful for. And just having that moment to think about what's been good and what's happened in the day. And it's it's really grounded me to take each day as a day as 24 hours and what happens within that 24 hours is only limited to that 24 hours if I'm having a bad day it's 24 hours and I leave that when I go to bed and I leave it on that day and if it still bothers me the next day then I need to have a conversation about it or I need to change it or something needs to happen but to try really consciously not to let things drag over into into the next day if it isn't going to affect me in 24 hours it doesn't need to be affecting me now and oh that is so much easier said than done so much no, easier it is. said than done <laughs> it is for everybody but focus on the positives focus on what you're grateful for focus on the good things that have happened focus on the things that have made you smile do you know what? i used to do that last year it's funny weird you say that because i i started doing it i did it for about four months and every night i just um I'd, I'd write it down in, in on my phone on a, in a note and it was good because you'd find like even if you had a bit of a shit day you'd find something that would be a positive from it and you go Absolutely. oh yeah you know all this happened but as a result you know this was this was a result uh, a good thing or whatever yeah or something that's funny made you say you that cause I don't know why I stopped huh or something that's made you laugh yeah laughing is yeah, such yeah. a funny thing but yeah we stop it we all do we all do. And the thing is to not beat yourself up about it if you do stop. Like, I used no, to... I, I'm not... I just don't know why I did stop. Because I, I used to quite enjoy it. And it used to be a good thing. Maybe I'll start it up again. Yeah. I used to hate it, like, getting a diary. And if I missed writing one day in my diary, like, oh, that's it. I've had enough. I've ruined it. And then I'd try and go back and fill months out of days that I'd forgotten about. And I just think, why am I putting so much stress and pressure on myself to do this? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Do it when you need to do oh, it. This is, this is why everyone fail, fails in New Year's resolutions, right? Because oh, I don't they, even set them anymore. <laughs> no, I don't either, but gratitude. It's great gratitude. practice. Yeah. Yeah. One day at a okay. time. Indeed. I believe everyone has a superpower of some description. What would you say is yours? I'd like, I'd like to be able to say inspiring people, whether it's 
people look at me and go, dear God, I don't want to be anything like her. I don't know, inspire change in people that way. Or whether it's people Meg, seeing let me Let me just interrupt you. <laughs> let me interrupt you now and tell you, for the last sort of half an hour, so my wife is sitting in, in, in the kitchen in the other room. For the last half an hour, 45 minutes, while I've been trying to concentrate on asking you questions, I've also been in the other side of my mind is not being able to wait to go and tell her about this podcast. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> you, you are a total inspiration. And, I, and I'm not just doing this to sort of, you are a total inspiration and it is a superpower. And I have no doubt in my mind, this is one of those podcasts I'm going to put out. And when you put out a podcast, you never know how well it's going to do, right? I've had people with big names who have like not done anywhere near as, many downloads as I thought I've had people with relatively no name they're going to go and blast you know great episodes and every now and again as much as I enjoyed doing this podcast every now and again there's certain episodes I think I really hope this does well because I want people to hear it and I want people to and I'm saying this because you're you are an inspiration honestly (laughs) like what you've been through would have broken most people what you've been through and then built on the back of it is just it's not even people like when people do well for themselves people either get inspired or jealous right generally that's the kind of thing what you've done people aren't going to be it's not a jealousy thing right it's not like you're driving around in a Lamborghini and you're doing this and this you've built something powerful and you're building something powerful and like you said earlier this 2023 is going to be your year and I've no doubt about it I think the, the snowball is starting to get to the size now where it's just going to start going down the hill all on its own and you're going to be just hanging on for dear life in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a total inspiration, what you've done, how you've done it and what you're building. So I only interrupted you because I didn't want you to start what is the wrong word. it's It's so easy to put ourselves down and to kind of belittle ourselves because it's just something that we we do but yes I would like to hope and say that my superpower is being able to inspire and encourage people young people old people people who don't think that they matter in this world people who haven't had a traumatic experience to kind of catapult them into a direction in life to say your superpower actually is being you and your views and your opinions and the way that you see the world so go and make art go and write poetry go and inspire other people just go and tell other people that you love them that you think that they're amazing go and be you because and it's naff to say and it's one of those things that people have like hung up on their wall of nobody is as wonderful and special and unique as you and you're your own bloody bloody blah but do you know what it's true once you kind of take away all the crappy floral sort of clip art that gets attached to it you on a soul level are I very much believe put on this planet to experience what it is to be human and a lot of that is quite a lot of shit and disruption and corruption and poor life choices and like drinking alcohol that you know is going to make you throw up or wearing that outfit that you've got the worst VPL in but you know what it made you feel great at the time or 
looking back at selfies and pictures from when we all used to wear blue eyeshadow and pluck our eyebrows to the point where they just didn't exist. You know, it's being human and loving people is being human and losing people is being human and being yeah. able to sit in our own grief no matter what we've lost, no matter how big or small, is being human. And we all just kind of need to give ourselves a bit of a break. Yep. But also realise tomorrow is another day. So go find your big girl and your big boy and your big big people pants and smash it. And if that just means getting up and getting out of bed and cleaning your teeth, then good on you. What's that? Where's that? Where's that phrase from? Big girl, putting your big girl. That's a quote from a film, isn't it? Putting your big girl pants. I don't know. It's something I, I identify as she hair. And yeah, my big girl pants is something that I put on quite a lot of the time. My big girl pants I had to put on uh, before Christmas when I bumped into my ex. And I literally stood there, pulled them up, and went, right, <laughs> we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> and it's, it's just one of those things. And people think big pants are ugly, and I love big pants. They make me feel safe. So find whatever your big pants are, whether it is literally whatever a pair of big pants. Right? Yeah, and whatever gives you a bit of self-protection. Go find that, put it on, and just tick one thing off of that to-do list, whether it's clean your teeth, brush your hair, or go and make that phone call, or write your CV, or open that letter that has you know the big red writing across the front you really don't want to deal with all that parking fine or you know for me doing my tax return still putting that off but just <sighs> go and deal that, with that, it that needs a special <laughs> pair of big girl pants that does oh, that needs like a big girl onesie i think <sighs> yeah but you know we've got to do these things and the longer you leave it the bigger and scarier it becomes until actually you do it and then you go that was not as bad as I thought it was. I probably should have done that about five months ago. But you don't. No, no you don't. The next question, I'm assuming we've probably covered it, and I, making that assumption is probably going to make me a terrible interviewer or a good interviewer. I don't know. But what topic is guaranteed to get you on your soapbox? Anything and everything. I think grief, homelessness, kind of conf- confidence. Yeah, kind of self-awareness, bit of spirituality. There's a lot of things I think will roll into one. But yeah, talking about grief and how we deal with grief is a huge thing for me. I'm not a fan of the British stiff upper lip approach to grief. I don't think it's good for people. No. We Billy's funeral was a festival, like I said, with a thousand people and music and drinking and camping and good food and a service where we blew bubbles in the air and we danced and we laughed and we cried and we came together as a community and it was incredible and I show people and I will send you over the links you can pop it in the show notes to Bill's funeral which is on YouTube because we made an after movie oh is it okay yeah we made an after movie and People should be celebrated how they lived. And that shouldn't even be up for discussion. If somebody was massively I, into Christ, celebrate them how they want to be celebrated, not how you think they would be celebrated. And that's not always easy because we don't always know people's you know, final wishes. But I think people who are trans should be celebrated in their dresses, death 
as who they chose to be. People who are from a religious family, if they decided that that religion was not for them, then they should be celebrated in the way that was their life. And people should be seen in death as they were in life and vice versa. And we should have enough respect for that person to celebrate them that way. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I, I hadn't really thought about death as you get older it sort of appears in your life a little bit more often than you'd like to the point where you do start thinking about it and actually what you've just described at billy's funeral is kind of what i'd like for mine like i, I don't i'm not yeah. particularly religious so the whole church side of thing i just i want it to be a celebration i want it to be a, a positive thing i'd love everyone just to be sort of sitting around just sharing finger stories sandwiches. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely maybe a barbecue yeah yeah. but it is you know that's the traditional like let's go to a pub and have a wake and eat finger sandwiches and then you Mm. know auntie whatever gets absolutely off her tits and it's like right well that's ruined the entire thing that was supposed to be a quite somber occasion and yeah (laughs) auntie's in the corner shouting and screaming about the one time that xyz had happened but have that conversation because people don't People don't talk about well, no, we, we, we don't talk about death. We don't we, talk about funerals. And we need to. Yeah. No, it's funny. Me and my wife have started talking about it, which might sound a bit morbid, but you're right, because you just never know when it's going to happen, do you? No, not at all. And people my age have statistically written more wills than people your age. There's a higher percentage of 18 to 25-year-olds that have written their wills than there are uh, 45 to 62 year olds and we go and talk about I don't doubt that we go and talk and do you about know why I don't doubt that why it's, be- it's because <laughs> because me so my I've got a five-year-old daughter so me and my wife have been talking about writing a will for probably about six years yeah and we haven't no it's scary to yeah. think about your assets, what you leave behind. What have you actually got that is yours to your name? What do you actually own? And mm-hmm. then I go and talk about it as a 26-year-old um, and people think we're suicidal or people are worried about why we're talking about death. And actually, for the most part, over COVID, we had death shoved down our throats and mental health. I had two of my mates commit suicide whilst I was at school doing my GCSEs. I am not, I'm not someone that hasn't dealt with it. And do you know what most of the people you speak to, they will know at least one person, whether that's through a couple of people or whether that's immediate, that have committed suicide. Um, You know, the statistics for men that are committing suicide are through the roof. The statistics for kids that are committing suicide are through the roof. And if we don't start talking about it and having the conversation about it, it's going to become taboo and it's going to get worse. I think if somebody decides they don't want to be here anymore, why is it that an illness? Why do we not just honour the choice that they made that they weren't happy because selfishly, we won't be happy without them here, but are we really happy to watch them go through the suffering they're going through? Why is assisted dying such a difficult thing to get our heads around? 
look at friends or know of people that are so ill and unwell and I have been that person that I just don't want to be here anymore Mm. why can I not be let go with grace and dignity why have I got to fight for my own rights and my own choice over my life and what I want to do with it yeah you're kind of I mean you won't know this but this is weird conversation because we've we've talked about this here and I won't go into the reasons now because it's it's a long, long conversation. But it's true, right? It's I, I yeah. And then the, well, the reason is is because the people you're leaving behind will blame themselves or you know whatever, whatever. Absolutely. But at the end of I don't the agree day, with it, for the record, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's kind of and um, yeah, this does come across as selfish in a way but that's their issue and how they choose to deal with it you know I know Billy wouldn't have left yeah. this life had he you know had the option had the choice not to have died in an accident but had he not then mm. this wouldn't have been born and the Billy chip wouldn't be a thing and I wouldn't be sat here talking to you and so regardless of the choices and decisions other people make we need to help hold ourselves accountable and responsible for the choices and decisions we make and the way that we deal with things and stop trying to control everybody else and that's what the billy chip allows it allows you to be held accountable for the decisions you make by helping somebody else and yes okay by creating the billy chip and i understand that what i've just said it kind of doesn't work because you're then saying to that person they can only get a cup of tea or coffee if your views are so strong that you want them to be able to have the right to do what they want, then give them some cash and give them some change. But the option of giving them a billy chip instead of not helping at all is the better option. If you've got yeah. adversities and you still can't kind of cope with uh, the decisions somebody else may make with the change that you give them, then use a billy chip because they're guaranteed to have that hot drink and whatever other cash or change they get they can then use for the drugs the alcohol whatever is is needed yeah yeah that's a big topic isn't it i'm going to move on to this question not (laughs) not because i don't think the topic is worthy of talking only i'm very conscious of your time i know we're getting kind of close to the limit and i want to make sure we get finished today because this is it's a powerful episode What's one of the best pieces of advice you've come across or heard Trust or, your gut. or shared? Trust your gut instinct. If you get that feeling in the bottom of your belly and it says don't do it, don't do it. Don't fight it. Trust yourself and trust that because there are plenty of times where I've had a gut instinct and I've gone, oh, no, sure, it'll be fine. And then it smacked me in the face and I've gone, that was such, yeah, no bad idea nearly had a car accident won't be doing that again I even said to myself don't do that when you get to that junction because it's a really bad idea and I still went and did it and I still nearly crashed my car so yeah trust your gut instinct whether it's good or bad your body knows and responds the way it responds for a reason yeah it's amazing how many times I've heard that or a derivative of that and it's true isn't it I'm a big believer in gut instinct Oh, I still ignore it anyway. That is me, like, preaching to you. Yeah, I'm saying this. Would I actually do it? Mm, it depends. And it is one of those yeah. that you kick yourself every time afterwards because, you know, go, I knew I should have done that. Or I knew I should have done that. I sh- yeah. 
and then we do it again and we do it again but that is part of life and learning and I don't think anyone gets to the point where they're like I solely trust my gut and whatever my gut tells me I will do because we then question that and we question our judgment and I think to trust in yourself and trust your own judgment sometimes is fine and do you know what if you make a mistake it's not a mistake if you learn from it it's a lesson well do you know what else as well that gut instinct it might be not that it's not to do something it might just be sort of a backward way of giving you that little bit of a nudge to say remember or to think about something so yeah. like when you come into that junction Absolutely. it's not necessarily saying don't pull out it's just saying like you know keep your wits about you yeah okay meg if you and i sat down again in 10 years time and you'd considered that decade has been pretty successful for you what would have happened I'd say the word Billy Chip and people would go, ah, yes. I used one of those last week and I got to help somebody and it made me feel great and they were really grateful for it. Recognition of it and awareness of it. But I'd like to be able to do that anywhere in the world. And I will at some point. Oh, in the world, okay. Yeah, no, I will at some point. We've, we've had people from all over the world, Australia, Canada, South America, Europe, ask about this and yeah I want to get to the point where I can can go to a big city somewhere in the world and see a homeless person and give them a billy chip and them say thank you in whatever language it may be and me know that they are going to be able to get get something that they need with that whether it's food drink clothes housing accommodation Maybe you could save up Billy Chips and then 10 Billy Chips gets you a night in a hostel or something. It's it's conversations that we're having. So, yeah, we're, we're heading in that direction. But, yeah, in 10 years' time, I want to be able to walk into a major city anywhere in the world and be able to see that homeless people are being recognized as part of a community and are no longer branded as the sort of invisible people on the streets mm, i got sneaking suspicion you're going to get there as well <laughs> last last question and I, th- I don't know if you listened to any previous episodes but the last question is something that the previous question and i'm a little bit gutted because the question you've asked normally would be a good question and when i ask it to you you'll see what i mean yeah um, but the quest, the question that was was from my previous guest to ask you is, what is your why? My why is because nobody's done it before and it needs to happen. Okay. That's and I think answer. that's a lot of people's why is. Why have you done that? Because it needs needs to be done. It's not happened before and it needs to be done. So why have I done the Billy Chip? Because it's not happened before and it needs to be done. Why have I come on this podcast? Because I've not been on it before and it needs to be done. Why? Can I ask you you a question then? Yeah. Why homelessness, right? Of all the challenges out there, of which there are many, why, why, why is homelessness the one you've sort of gone for? I think although it was part of that fleeting conversation that John and Billy had, homelessness is, it's so overlooked. Everybody right. knows 
somebody or has seen somebody or who has encountered somebody who is homeless. Everybody has wanted to help but has never really been sure how. And I think those people are on the edge of our society and have a blind eye turned to them because most they haven't got a voice to shout for themselves. They can't stand up and be counted and all band together and say, hey, what about us? Because they're yeah. exhausted, because they're worn out, because they have done everything they can and they're at the point where they are their identities are stripped from them and they are just another number. And there are so many incredible charities that help so many different minorities and so many people with different ailments and disabilities and diseases and things that have happened to them. But you never see a huge supermarket company sponsoring homelessness you never see the government taking care of people who are living on the streets they are forgotten about time and time again because we are so used to them being part of the furniture of our cities that they are dehumanized and we're better than that people are better than that human beings are better than that so why are we yeah. allowing this to happen? Why are we putting those people in a box so far away from ourselves when we are so much closer to them we don't even want to look at that one and a half month paycheck that might not turn up and put us in that position? Mm-hmm. So homelessness, because we are all so close, yet we would all pretend every day that we are so far away from it that it's kind of embarrassing I think in a way that we are stood most of the time and now more than ever on the precipice of being that person and if we could all recognize that and help those people on the other side then you know we are no longer kidding ourselves about the economy the way that the government treats people the way that the government treats us to pretend that this isn't happening right on our doorstep when most of these people are sleeping on our doorsteps yeah it's, it's yeah <laughs> i don't even know it's it's a great answer and i kicking myself now for judging that it was not going to be a good question but actually created quite a great answer <laughs> meg a couple of things i want to say first and foremost a very big thank you for you coming on podcast thank you for having me sharing your story sharing what you're up to because like i said it is powerful it is inspirational and i think that like i said earlier i hope this is one of those podcasts that just does get that little bit of extra traction because i think there'll be so many people who will benefit from hearing it or you know get inspired by hearing it or want to help or do something i don't know if paloma faith is on my subscriber list but you know, you never know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Two things. When you mentioned the CEO sleep out or something earlier, when when's your next one of those? So the CEO sleep out is run in the winter months, and I okay. will give you a link that you can pop it in your bio. 
at the bottom cool. so people okay. can read about it. But yeah, we held the first one this year for Bristol. Normally it's held in London um, and it's for all CEOs and business owners to come and to spend a night sleeping outside and raise money. Um, and that okay. profit this year got split between us and Help Bristol's Homeless. And it's, yeah, it's been incredible. It really gives people a feel of what it's like to be on the receiving end, I guess, of what we're we're trying to do. Yeah. Okay. Yep, share that link. I'll put it in. Um, finally, because I know you've got a dash now, where can anyone who wants to come and say hello or support what you're doing, where, sh- where should I point them? Head towards our Instagram, our social medias, www.billychip.com. We're Billy Chip on Instagram. We're Billy Chip on LinkedIn. We're Billy Chip on Twitter. I think we're on TikTok. Not that I'm 100% sure how that works. (laughs) Or buzz me an email, meg at billychip.com. I would love to hear from anybody. I'm happy to have a chat with anybody. Come and get involved in what is going to be the revolution, I suppose we're going to change the world and if you want to be a part of that then come and do it do you know what? i've got no doubt in my mind that you're going to meg thank you so much for joining me this morning no worries thanks so much cheers that was thank you interview with meg abernethy hope if you made it to the end thank you i hope you enjoyed it it was a good one wasn't it It's a powerful episode and the story that Meg shared is just incredible, to be quite frank. Feel free to share this and any thoughts you have on any of the social channels at 10Q Interview, everywhere you look. That's all from me for now. Make sure you've subscribed. If you want to leave a review, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate it. Wherever you listen to this, they all have their own things, but I'm sure you can work it out. And the next 10Q Interview will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care.